The following is a presentation of Hog Eye Sports Radio and is produced by Flat Creek Productions. Hey man, turn on the radio. Let's hear some tunes. From deep in the heart of Hogai Country, this is the Hogai Sports Show. Oh, baby, they're lining it up. Is that all this thing will pick up? Of course, it's Hogai Sports Radio. Hogeye fans, welcome to another exciting episode of the Hogeye Sports Show. Michael Johnson and Josh Scott, who is on location tonight, <laughs> recording live from Livingston and parts unknown. Um, so on this episode, we'll start off with this week in the world of sports outside of Livingston Academy, and then we will recap uh, some Livingston Academy sports that happened over the past week. And also have a short interview with head football coach Bruce Lamb to bring you guys uh, this week. So sit back and enjoy uh, yet again uh, one of the greatest Livingston Academy sports podcasts, the Hog Eye Sports Show. So, Josh, what's uh, something in the world of sports you want to start out with this week? Well, it's almost charity at this point, but I'd like to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. The Tennessee Vols. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm thankful for the Mormons because they prayed for us and we actually looked okay for 3.9 quarters on Saturday night. You, you, was, in, I, you was in attendance to that game, wasn't I you? Was, I've been in attendance for both games this year. I won't be in attendance for any more games <laughs> this year. Um, Maybe you're yeah, their uh, unlucky charm. I, it is, it's me. It's always been me. That's what the problem is. Uh, no, I mean, you know... It won't take five minutes this week to talk about that because it's just quarterback play at this point. Uh, I was talking, actually, was on the Swain event this morning with Jason Swain, former wide receiver in Tennessee, and um, you know, I just talked about. I thought the quarterback play was terrible. Uh, it hasn't improved over the last three years, and, and if you, I mean, if you agree or disagree, tell me. I don't think he's gotten any better, and you know, there's a lot of people talking about. The coaching staff needs to change. That ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. It's dumb. Why would you pay somebody $10 million? Yeah. Not you know, even, even even the Hassels and Andersons, you know, can't afford that. They really can't. You know, they had a press press conference with uh, Jeremy Pruitt today. Uh, he he basically said that he thinks that Garantano, Garantano is the best quarterback option going forward. Which I mean, he sees them in practice every day. I, that's that's where I just disagree because they're so good. They're supposed to be so good at tight at, at talent evaluation. You know, they're pretty well, and they really do. They, these guys have, you know, I, I said on Swain's show this morning, they're very good recruiters. They always have been. They've always been very good football coaches. So, like we've talked about in Livingston Academy athletics, these guys didn't just forget how to coach this year or last year. They're still good football coaches. You, when you put kids in a position 
you know, to make a play and they don't do it, that's on them. Yeah. But, and for me, it's like going back to talent evaluation is if he's the best option, how bad are the other two? Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely what my thoughts were there, were on that. He Now, he talked up the, the youngest guy. Mauer, yeah. Yeah, talked up him. He's got, you know, really quick, really fast. Maybe that's what this this team needs is a, you know, a, a more uh, dual threat quarterback so that he don't just get, you know, stand back there and just get well, knocked down every other play. You know, when you look at the numbers for Jarrett, and it's, he's gone for 425 yards in two games, four touchdowns and two interceptions. And on paper, that's you think that that's good enough to win. But when you watch the tape, you know, I went back and watched the BYU game yesterday at home, and he's just seeing one receiver or one side of the field so many times. He's got somebody open on that second or third read that he just doesn't see. He doesn't look at it. He's, you know, uh, he's almost gunshot. You know, like he's afraid he's about to get hit or he's afraid he's going to make a mistake. And, you know, at playing quarterback, I get that to a point, but sometimes you just got to let it go. Well, he got hit you know? so much last year, maybe he's gunshot now. I, well, he took a big shot. If you remember Saturday night to the helmet, guy yeah. got ejected. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but at some point, you know, it's his fourth year in the program. He's a red shirt junior. You've got to grow up and lead your football team. And, I mean, I feel like that's just where they're struggling. You know, they put up points. But it's, you know, no. that game on Saturday night didn't turn at the end of the game. No. It turned at ha- after the first half kicking, when Jarrett came out through the interception straight to the guy. Well, you know, and kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns has hurt yeah. Tennessee in two and, games. And I think the biggest thing there, again, is going back to, the, you know, he's missing guys in the end zone. He had Wood Anderson once. He had Jennings once. And I, I'll say this, and, and again, disagree with me if you want to tell me, I got discuss it is, if it wasn't for Juwan Jennings just making, you know, heroic plays, he probably throws two interceptions in the end zone there instead of two touchdowns. Yeah. You know, the, tip, the tip play, the first score, should have been an interception. It, it just it wound up been. Jennings' hand. Yes, I and, agree. And then the, the late touchdown throw to Jennings, he threw it up high, and he just went and made a, a, an incredible play, but that ball had no business being caught. Yeah, so this weekend would be a great time to break in a new quarterback. Um, yeah, you know, and, and we talked about last week. If if you don't, you've you've got to get something going because if not, you're looking at one and seven or one and eight by the time you get to homecoming. Why not try something this weekend? Well, the good news about this weekend is that the University of Tennessee is guaranteed to win, no matter what. No matter what, because but, both teams are called the University of Tennessee. It's either at Knoxville or at Chattanooga, but UT is going to win. One way well, or the other. It's about time. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like the Orange and game. And you know what? Like, I would be okay. I think I did. I think I felt the same way when Garantano was a redshirt freshman behind Dormady. And I knew the team wasn't going to be very good. I think we finished 4 and 8 that year. Mm-hmm. That's which last year. And I was like, you know what? I'd be okay if they played Garantano because Dormady's that bad. That, hey, let's just play Garantano and see what he has. And if it results in wins, okay. If it doesn't, well, he's a freshman and he's going to learn. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. I don't feel like he's the guy. So go ahead and make that change. But what I said on Sway's show this morning, uh, just be the, all I've got to say about it on the end there is, you know, he's going. He's a red shirt junior this year. He's not going to play in the NFL next year. You know, it's not like he's coming out and going to get picked. 
So he's going to be a redshirt senior next year. And all this hype is about Harrison Bailey coming in as a freshman, going to save the program next year. <laughs> you're right. Well, if you're not going to make the change this year as a redshirt junior, do you really think he's going to make the change next year as a redshirt senior? Uh, who knows? That's going to be tough, man. Yeah, I would rather him just make the change now. And then in, in the spring, when Harrison comes in, let it be an open competition and, and let the best man win. Right. So a couple of things. You said you went back and watched it. I don't know how much you watched the actual broadcast, but a couple of things that uh, they mentioned on there that we should mention here that this is the UT's first 0 and 2 start since 1988, and they went 0 and 6 that year to start the season. So and then won five in a row. Won five in a row. Yeah. And another um, another thing is that uh, since that was an overtime loss to uh, BYU. UT has now played the most overtime games in of any school in college football. I didn't know that. That's 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 an amazing little stat. Right it, there. Well, to me, it's a sad stat, and it tells you that UT doesn't finish doesn't finish games that they play too conservatively, and they have for the past twenty years. Let me ask you something, Mike. On third and eight, the clock's running thirty-one, thirty-two seconds right there. What's situational football out there as a defensive back? What do you not let happen? Well, I mean, obviously you don't let the guy run past you. He let him run right past. He turns to the outside boundary. I don't know what he was like doing. Like he's taking an out route. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that it's was just like, a that was just a bad mistake. And you know, Pruitt even said that in his pre- post game. They asked him what coverage was you in, and he said, uh, "This is quoting uh, word not word for word, but he said we wasn't in the def- we was in the defense where you don't let them score or." Where it was in the defense where you don't let them get a 75-yard gain. <laughs> no crap. <laughs> and let me tell you something. What's worse on that is Dale Carter's son, Nigel Dale Warrior, comes up. If you if you go back and watch the play, Alante, Turner, Alante Taylor gets beat. That's bad enough. Yeah. But Nigel comes up and does this Eric Berry wannabe hero shoulder tackle attempt and misses him completely. And he had him at like the 50. And so he misses this guy completely, and he runs for, you know, 30 more yards. And if it wasn't, I think, for Schamberger right there, just an effort play, the guy scores and the game's over. Yeah, so we got extra football for somebody hustling. So, all right, let's uh, let's end the uh, the uh, dismal the misery. Youth, the misery UT football recap, which we haven't said the score. If you have been living under a rock and don't know, and you're finally finding this out, through the Hog Eye Sports Show, UT lost 26-29 in two overtimes to the fighting Brigham Youngs. Mormons. Yeah, fighting Mormons, yes. uh, whatever you want to call them. So, you know, you want to hear another interesting stat? Yeah, Tennessee go ahead. Tennessee is now 0-1 when serving alcohol at Needle Stadium. Well, I've seen, a great, need more of it. I've seen a great meme on the internet. It had a picture of the like, Interstate 40 sign. It said, Interstate 40, Tennessee, nothing. <laughs> no, that's pretty good, yeah. That is pretty good. That's sad, too. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, some other sport, and a sport that I really like to follow, and that is tennis. Anyone for tennis? Um, the, US, the U.S. Open was held the past fortnight, two weeks, up in Flushing Meadows, New York, and my favorite tennis player, Rafael Nadal, Pulled out a very exciting win this uh, past weekend. A five-set win over a young up-and-coming Russian named Daniel 
Medvedev, who was a villain coming into the game. He had uh, he had flipped off like a, a chair oh, wow. umpire, and what? he gave this he beat this guy earlier in the tournament, and the crowd was just you know anti him. And he got you know they always do an on court interview, and he said. He said, "I want to thank the crowd for you know letting me win this game because it was your energy, you know, uh, which was not directed at him, but it was your energy that led me to win this game or match." <laughs> so he was the villain coming into the into the night, and uh, Nadal took the first two sets. Um, I didn't get to see the first two sets, but he did take the first two sets. I won't say rather easily, but uh, Medvedev came back and played lights out in the third and fourth set, which I did get to watch. And then it was a uh, touch-and-go uh, fifth set. Nadal got up a break. And then Medvedev, he uh, he had chances to, to break back. And it was looking like Nadal was you know kind of going to go away there at the end. But finally, Nadal prevailed. The crowd was kind of booing Nadal at some points for taking too long. They've, uh, they've instituted a shot clock in, in, in tennis this year, and Nadal got – some violations for that so uh the crowd was wild it was really exciting tennis if you don't if, if you haven't ever watched a tennis match you need to sit down sometime and watch one of the big three nadal federer djokovic especially if they're playing each other to to well, me how does the russian get past djokovic or federer well so uh, he didn't have to play him he did not have to play him djokovic uh he went out early in the tournament, I believe, or he either didn't play or went out early. I'm not sure if he played it or not. He didn't make any waves. Uh, and then Federer got beat by the guy that uh, Medvedev played in the semifinals. So he just got lucky there. I mean, that's what it takes to get to a championship, I guess. Yeah. and But he had won. He had, he had played all the summer hard courts in the United States, and he had won one of them, Cincinnati. Uh, so he was doing really well. And he came in, came very close to winning this match. I mean, he had chances to put it away and just played played unbelievably good. He's going to be – he's in the top five right now. I think he's uh, ranked fifth in the world. So he's he's knocking on the door of the big three. Speaking of the big three, Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer are all over 30 years of age. And they have, all three of them, their first, second, and third place in most major titles won. So they are three of the best players ever. And they're in their 30s, and they're beating these kids that are 10 years younger than them. You know what's interesting about that for me is that used to, in their 30s, early 30s, those guys were retired. Absolutely. So, like, now it's, uh, like, these guys, some like, uh, isn't, isn't Federer pushing 40? He's 38, just turned 38 last month. That's what I started to say. So, it's like, now... This guy is still one of the best players in the world at 38. That was unheard of, what, 15 years ago? Uh, yeah, before Federer came along, it was definitely unheard of. So, I mean, and I think they, I think tennis is, it's kind of like, um, you know, when Tiger was so good in golf, people tuned in just to watch Tiger, and that was it. Nobody cared about anybody else. I mean, like BJ Singh and stuff like that, nobody cared. Um, and now, without Tiger, the games kind of fell off. With Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic, everybody wants to watch tennis. You know, I feel like they they get the Tiger treatment, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And I worry about that sport when it falls. It, when those guys retire, which, I mean, as good as 
you know, Federer's playing 38. Who knows? Sure. Um, obviously, he'll drop off at some point. You, you hope. Uh, I mean, so, and, yeah, you, you hope for everybody else. But, um, you know, at what point is there, is, there a, is there an American that's any good anymore? They used to be the guy that used to be uh, yeah. serving really quick. What was his name? Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick, yeah. And so he was that's, always like right there at the at the brink and never could never could win. Yeah, if Federer had never come along, Roddick would have five or six majors because uh, he was beaten, he was beaten in the finals by Federer multiple times. And he also he he played uh, one of the best matches I ever watched at Wimbledon, Federer or Federer versus Roddick, and Roddick did not lose his serve throughout five sets until it was the fourteen fifteen game in the fifth set. They had went to tie breaks in the other sets, and Roddick had won two, uh, two sets, and Federer had won two sets, and then there is no fifth set tie break at that time. So he right. he served all those matches, all those uh, games, and only lost his serve once, but that was the one that mattered, and Federer won. So, uh, but the reason the reason I'm a big tennis fan is Americans, you know, uh, Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, uh, Jim Courier, those guys back in the mid '90s, early '90s, they were my what was the guy that threw the rackets and cussed and stuff? Andre Agassi. No, not him. The guy, the American. Oh, oh, John McEnroe. That's my guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was on the, the only thing, I, the only reason I know him, though, is because he was on an Adam Sandler movie. Mr. Deeds, yeah. Mr. Deeds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty cool movie. So, so I've got their, uh, I've got their ages here. Federer's 38, Nadal's 33, Djokovic is 32. And they currently, Federer has 20 majors. Nadal has 19, so he's one away from time. Oh, my Federer. goodness, yeah, he's right there. And Djokovic has 16. And you, and you think Nadal and Djokovic are going to play each other probably, what, 20 more times? If, if they stay healthy and can compete yeah. for the next five or six years, yes, definitely. So, Why uh, doesn't tennis, like, go and get, like, this Russian guy and those three and do, like, a pay-per-view Final Four? They they kind of do, but it's just not big in the in the United States. They have a tour championship at the end of the year, and it's held in London generally, and it's a big deal in Europe. But to Americans, tennis just isn't a big deal. Yeah, it's never really taken off. It's kind of like soccer. I mean, soccer's now starting to take off, but it's never. It's more of an international sport. Yeah, you, I you, get, I think we're just too lazy to run around, honestly, as Americans. But like uh, tennis, there's. The doll made an incredible shot the other night, didn't he? Sunday night. Well, it was like something crazy. It was a couple of nights ago. It was in the semifinals or the or quarterfinals. He went around the post and made a huge, amazing shot. Yes. Yeah, like I don't know. I'm not that creative. I tell you that. So that's a little bit of tennis. Serena Williams. She lost her uh, her bid to become the a tie for the most major titles ever won by uh, anyone, which is 24. She's got 23, and a lady has had won 24 a long time ago, so she came up short in that. She's 37 and lost to There's two more that have defied the tennis laws of time. Yeah, she's 37 and lost to a 19-year-old, so that might be a changing of the yeah. guard moment there. However, one more thing on her. Isn't she the one that played when she was pregnant and won, like in Australia, and opened her computers back? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Like that's that's impressive right there to play a whole tennis tournament pregnant and win. Pregnant. Yeah, and she's uh, there's been very few women to ever win a major after uh, giving birth. So right, uh, it's crazy, it's crazy. 
So uh, that's let's, let's just wrap up the uh, this week in the world of sports right there, and then we'll come back and discuss some Livingston Academy sports right after this. And we're back on the Hog Eye Sports Show, and in this segment, Josh and I are going to discuss uh, some soccer and volleyball action that has took place over the last week. Uh, Josh, let's start off with uh, volleyball. And in our last episode, we had give give some results, and we did not know the Cumberland County result from uh, the past week, uh, two weeks ago. So on August 27th, Livingston Academy played Cumberland County at home and came out with a, a big win over a district rival. And that moved their district record to 2-0. and And then this past week, uh, the Livingston volleyball team played on Tuesday at Upperman. They played on Thursday at home versus Smith County. So that's two more district opponents and come away with two more big wins. Well, I mean, you know what? The big thing there is Upperman, um, whether it's an up or down year or whatever, that's always been the Achilles heel for this team this program over the last four or five years. I think last year Upman ended their season in the region semis. Wow, and that's a big uh, win. That was, that was at Upperman, so that's a big win. Yeah, so I mean, you know, volleyball, they don't have the packed gyms or whatever, but they still have people there, and it's still Upperman and Livingston. Sure. And, you know, we're about to see that Friday night, too, but it's like, anytime you can beat them, well, we've talked about this before, you want to beat them in checkers if that's what you're playing. Sure, anything. So, but more than anything, I mean, congratulations to, to Lady Wildcats, Coach Christy Jenkins, and, and everybody involved in that because now you're on the back half of your district schedule, and you're, you've got to feel pretty good. Uh, what, you know, they have Macon left on the district schedule. Yeah, and, and they're, they haven't played. we're recording this on Monday night. They played Macon County tonight. Don't have a result from that, but uh, uh, that would be playing all of their district opponents once. Uh, right, and if you're, able to get, if you're able to get a win there, 5-0, and oh, yeah, that's pretty big. I mean, and you you got to feel like you're going to win at least half of the rest of them, you know, on the return series is there. Yeah. And feel pretty good going into the district tournament. You know, Coach Jenkins has always done a – I thought she's always done a fine job with that group um, every year. I mean, she's been there doing it for a long time now. Yeah, I took over um, for uh, Merle Smith. Yeah, so – you know, that's been, what, probably 10, 11 years ago? Uh, it's been a while, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, she's always had them right there competing, you know, in the region tournament, not just the district tournament, the region tournament. You know, they made some sub-state appearances. Been really close to getting to the, you know, state tournament. Uh, you know, this year, of course, they've got to go to that Chattanooga region, you know, play those Chattanooga teams, Single Mountain, and places like that. But if you're the number one team in that district – you got to host those, you know, that first round game, and then you know you got to feel pretty good because you're going to play those lower seeded teams from the other side. Yeah, well, let's so. speaking of hosting, let's knock on wood that they can actually host it at the Durwood Vaughn Memorial Gym. Come literally on. knock on. You, you might not knock on wood on that floor right now. <laughs> might, might mess it up, huh? Yeah, I mean that's well, that's a dangerous zone topic there. Now, the, a little inside info: they do have the new floor sitting in the gym, ready to be put down. So. It, Are they going to do the whole floor? No, just the section they cut out. 
Okay, good. Somebody told me it was going to be the whole floor, and I said, "Man, that's going to take a year." Well, that was a rumor that went around, but I don't, I don't believe so. But yeah, the girls are still playing over at Livingston First Baptist Church, the volleyball team. They played tonight versus Macon County. One score I didn't mention from last week, or one result. Uh, last Friday night, they uh, the volleyball team played Clinton County, Kentucky, Albany, Kentucky, at home at First Baptist Church and came away with another win. So that is not counting the Orlando, Florida tournament, which did not count on their record possibly anyway. I'm not sure how that works. But that's that's five wins in a row in the state of Tennessee. So that's yeah, big. And, and, again, you touched on them playing at the First Baptist Church. I mean, I know it's a lot of people don't think that's a big deal, but it is. Yeah. You know, you're coming off. Of course, I'm sure they practice there too. But – it's still not Livingston Academy. Right. You know, you want to play those games at Livingston Academy at Norvon, you know, gym. So it's like it's it's a little bit of an adversity just to play games at home. Yeah, sure. It'd you be know, like so. uh, like the high school team having to play at LMS or something, you know. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, props to them. I mean, they're having a, a really fine season so far. You know, if they can keep that going – you know, like I said, you get into the, the postseason, you're playing well and you're rolling. Once you get to the postseason, especially the region tournament, you know, you just got to be hot. And maybe this is a team that, you know, last year they had one senior, Amy Rogers. You know, so I lost one senior return to everybody else. You know, the middle school program, uh, coming to them just for a second, they won a the Upper Cumberland volleyball tournament this past weekend yeah uh, i saw so, some saw some pictures the, of that on facebook and stuff uh, yeah so the, the, the feeder program uh with the former allison daly coaching um you know former lady wildcat basketball mm. and volleyball player yeah i think she played everything actually but i mean she's feeding in athletes coach Jenkins is developing these athletes and they're becoming good volleyball players uh you know this it, it sets up really nice you know, not just this year, but in the coming years, you know, to have a really solid volleyball team. And that's that's a good thing for Livingston Academy. Sure, yeah, you can't uh, can't beat that. You know, Livingston's got a rich tradition. We've won a uh, state championship in volleyball back in the 90s. Well, and they've always been good. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't like we that state championship, you know, obviously is the best thing. But like I said, like I touched on earlier, we've always been, you know, in that conversation, region tournament, you know, right, you know, sectional, sub-state, whatever you want to call it. Right there, and for the last twenty-five years. So, uh, congratulations to them on a start. Now, what do they, what do they have coming up? So, like, like I said, they they played Macon County uh, on Monday, September the ninth, which is the night we're recording this. They play. That was a home game at the First Baptist Church in Livingston. Then uh, on September the tenth, they travel to Cumberland County, and then come back. Well, no, they they stay on the road on Thursday. September the 12th at Smith County. So three big district games, matches this week. Uh, this could be a very pivotal week in the schedule for the volleyball team. Hey, how about this? I've got you an, an update for tonight. Livingston Academy defeats Macon County 2-1. to one. Awesome. So there's your update. Six, night. six wins in a row then on the trot here in uh, the state of Tennessee, not counting the Florida tournament. And... That makes them five and zero oh in district play. That's big. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's half your half your schedule. You won them all on district slate, and those are the only ones that really matter, you know, in the end. So, right. Congratulations to them. Another big win or not? Mm. 
So that's how the uh, volleyball team has been chugging along. Let's move now to soccer. Not a lot of action over the past week in the soccer world here at Livingston Academy. Only one game played, and that was way over on the uh, far side of uh, Cumberland County. I'm not sure what county that would be Rockwood actually is in. Is that Roan County? It would be Roan County, I believe. Far end of the Cumberland Plateau, we'll say that. So they – the girls' volleyball or the girls' soccer team traveled to Rockwood on Tuesday, September the third, and uh, had them had them whipped at halftime. I believe it was like six to one at halftime, maybe. Yeah, something like that. And then uh, put in some uh, JV players, second string players, and uh, the, the Rockwood team scored a few goals on them, but came away with a win, six to four. So that was a a lot of players got to play in that game. You, you got any stats in front of you? Yeah, Kaylin Huntley leads them. Well, I shouldn't say leads them, but Kaylin Huntley has two goals on the night. Jenna Harris with two goals. Avery Tra- Avery Chaffin and Esty Holman each have a goal. Um, Jada Hammock comes in with two assists on the night. Lily Copeland, a big-time freshman for them, has two assists. Annalise Milligan with one assist. Emma Sadler with one assist. Tori Hines with four saves. Four saves. Had to figure that, you know, she she allowed one goal probably. Probably. And, yeah. then, and then Annalise Milligan uh, comes in for JV goalie and gets three saves, allows three goals. So, I mean, on that for that group, it was all about rest. You know, they just come off the Myrtle Beach tournament mm-hmm. and then went and played at Upperman the next day. Yeah. And yeah. then at Bacon County two days later, and. You know, Coach Sadler, Coach Sadler had given them the week off, or basically the week off, you know, from the Macon County game the last weekend. And, uh, you know, they went went out to Rockwood. And, I mean, obviously they got their legs back because they're up 6-1 to one at halftime. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a win's a win. You, know, you never like seeing that be that close to 6-4. to four, But when it, there, there's more to that story, you know, when you, when you realize it's on JV players, varsity versus JV. But the big one oh, for yeah. them coming, is tomorrow night. Coming up tomorrow night. If you want to see a, a big-time soccer match, travel up to the top of the plateau, Crossville. Livingston Academy girls soccer team plays at Cumberland County. That should be your uh, district championship right there. Yeah, District 6 right there is probably going to be decided tomorrow night for the regular season for sure. So that's their only game this week until the weekend. They have a tournament uh, up in uh, Gatlinburg. Smoky Mountain Cup. Smoky Mountain Cup. I think they – is that the boys or the girls that are defending champs of that? Both, I think. They could be both. Um, uh, but uh, that, that's another tournament they're going to play in. I've actually been up to it and played in it for uh, my son's travel soccer league. And man, they've got some great facilities up there. Basketball oh, facilities too. I mean, it's – Rocky Top Sports World. If, you, if you're a fan of sports in general, and you get a chance to watch your child play or your team play at Rocky Top Sports World. It may be the nicest sports complex in Tennessee yeah, as would, far as amateur sports go. I would think so, yeah. And on, and on the campus of Gatlinburg-Pittman High School. Yeah. So you've not only got these amazing facilities of Rocky Top Sports World ran independently, but then you've got a beautiful Gatlinburg-Pittman campus right there in the Smoky Mountains. You know, the drive up there and around around the area is very beautiful. Sure. Uh, but the thing about, like you said, the facilities at Rocky Top Sports World 
I don't know what it costs to build it, but it's been worth every penny because we played AAU basketball up there. And some of the nicest basketball facilities I've ever stepped in. And you know, I've played, you know, an AAU all around the nation. Yeah. And I've seen those soccer pitches. They're nice. Oh, definitely, man. They're top notch. So, so that's uh, kind of what soccer has been doing and, and got coming up. Um, after they come back the week after that, that's when they uh, play a bunch of home games. They'll have finally. Yeah, they'll have four straight home games to end the season after the Smoky Mountain Cup. So we, we'll uh, uh, have some home cooking maybe for us to end the season outright, and then they go to the district tournament in the middle of October. So that's kind of how girls and uh, well, girls soccer and girls volleyball has been going. So we'll, we're going to stop, take a break right there, and we'll come back to talk Livingston Academy football right after this. You are listening to the future award-winning Hog Eye Sports Show. So as to not interrupt the hosts, Please hold your applause until the end of the podcast. Thank you. Now back to the show. And we're back on the Hog Eye Sports Show, and I was uh, fortunate enough this week, or this past week, to uh, find a few minutes uh, for a little interview with Bruce Lamb before the Cumberland County game to kind of reflect on the the big, big, big win versus Cookville. So I'm going to play five good minutes with Bruce Lamb right now. All right, guys, I'm here with uh, head football coach Bruce Lamb. Bruce, welcome to the Hog Eye Sports Show. It is absolutely 100% my pleasure to be here, mate. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, so, big win for the uh, Hog Eye football team this past Friday night. Talk a little bit about that. It was an outstanding win for us. And, and uh, win or lose, you know, at the end of the game, I was very proud of our kids just because of the effort that they gave. And uh, just looking at those guys out there, and, and when they come, we had a couple timeouts there towards the end of the game, and they were just walking around, and you could see they were dog tired, had played their tails off, and and you know they just kept fighting, and, and they had plenty of chances with the two fumbles and the interception. Uh, they had plenty of chances to quit, but they didn't, and they just kept fighting. I was very proud of what they done. It's a great, uh, you know, get down a couple of times. You know, you come back, tie the game, and then. You know, last drive, uh, what, what a what a drive, 99 yards. Yeah, you, you won't see many of those. I think it's the only 99-yard drive I've had in 27 years, wow. you know, and it, it was amazing. Uh, you know, Danny was uh, upstairs calling the plays, and he was in a groove, and you could see Will's confidence was huge. And, uh, you know, and, and we just wanted the ball. You know, Wesley Smith kept saying, you know, they can't stop me. And he's correct. He they couldn't right. stop him. You know, he's he, right. he unbelievable. And, we had some young players step up with uh, Raven Carpenter and Briar Mosley made some huge catches and, you know, just just all out and just a great team effort. So there at the – right before that, against, you know, the fourth down play. Yes. How, how unexpected was him to throw that ball right there? Well, I was so excited they threw the ball. <laughs> I mean, I was very excited. But, sure, uh, sure. you know, we thought that they were going to try to run off tackle to our left side, their right side. And so we beefed up that side. Um, in the in the timeout that they took, mm-hmm. and uh, and when they dropped back to throw, of course we was all shots. But we had just talked to Briar Mosley uh, about uh, looking for somebody slipping down the backfield, and sure enough, they did. Briar um, got back, had his arms up, raised it up there, and the, what the quarterback saw was Briar in the way, so he tried to lob it over Briar's head, and uh, just overthrew the kid. Yeah, so. Big play there. That's huge big play. Turn, big huge play. Point. It was yeah. it was uh, as big a play that we had the entire game. Uh, so what about the crowd we had last Friday night? 
unbelievable. It was great. So many people there. Um, at least 4,000 people there, I would say. And, and uh, it was great how, how loud everybody was. And, and people, people don't understand that how that, that makes these kids feel, that sure. you've got people behind sure. them and, and uh, cheering them on. It's uh, it's awesome. And I, I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody coming and supporting these kids. They work their butts off, not for themselves, but for Leavison Academy. And we support. Every, we appreciate everybody coming and doing this. So a two and zero start. Got to be pretty excited about how the first part of the season's gone so far. Uh, looking ahead, got your first uh, uh, region game against Cumberland County this week. Uh, what's your thoughts there? Well, you, you know, after such a big win this past week, and then of course next week we go to Upperman. Uh, this is kind of a trap kind game. Of a trap game. Kind of yeah, trap I game. I mean, easily. Cumberland County, of course, they've, they've struggled the last few years, and but they got a whole new coaching staff. Um, they got eighty, like eighty players out. Um, Young guys, real enthusiastic. So, you know, we look for them to come out and, and uh, play really, really hard. And uh, just hopefully we come do the same thing we did last week. And if we do that, I think we'll be okay. But, you know, you never know with 16, 17-year-old kids. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Upperman game after that, uh, that's a big rivalry game for Livingston. That'll uh, that'll be something exciting. It'll be your first road game, too. It will be. And, and it's a tough place to go, you know, because it's uh, – very hostile down there. Very hostile. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, you know, Upperman, Coach Kane has really got them playing right. The the good, uh, really well. I mean, they're just uh, a totally different team. Than they were a couple years ago, and uh, the McAllister kid at quarterback is probably the best safety around here. Uh, he's going to go play somewhere major college as a safety. He's really really good. Um, but uh, you know, our kids. They're looking forward to it. Uh, I, I can tell already, you know, uh, I just don't want them to look ahead and look sure, over the Cumberland sure. County. Yeah, but, you know, time, exactly. But it, it'll be a huge game next week. Huge game. Well, thank you for taking the time out to talk to us a little bit today. We may uh, holler at you again in a couple of weeks. Get your thoughts that part of the season. That'd be great. Anytime for you, Mike Johnson. I appreciate you, buddy. It's it's uh, always nice to uh, have a discussion with you about sports, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> All right, that was a that was a good little interview. Might have heard some ba- basketballs bouncing in the background there as I had to catch him uh, while he was in the gym. But uh, you know, Bruce Bruce talked about you know the big win over Cookville there and, and just how how excited he was for the kids and you know just how emotional that that victory was. That uh, that game's always been a lot to him. Sure, you know they brought that he, he brought that game back. Uh, I think he could have got fifteen good minutes good minutes in with him on that one no doubt uh, you know I, it was fun you know we talked about this last week and, and and i won't say much more but it was fun watching the that team students coaches you know kind of let loose and kind of celebrate that you know that that was a big win for the program and you know as you heard just meant a lot to him yeah and, and hopefully as i said there that we can get him back after the Upperman game possibly especially if it's a w for the wildcats and uh uh here's some more thoughts from him especially beating uh the big rival that upperman rival. has become yeah. yeah so let's uh let's we'll talk a little bit about the livingston academy versus cumberland county game nowhere near as exciting as the cookville game no <laughs> no it was one of those things last year it's 41 to 3 and 
if you look at Cumberland County scores coming in versus Livingston Academy scores coming in, you kind of had a feeling of how it would end up. Yeah, and, yeah. But I will say this before we get into it. The first drive for Livingston Academy, I was worried that there might be just a little bit of an emotional letdown. Yes. And maybe a little bit of overlooking Cumberland County. Yes. Looking forward to Upperman. Yes. But that was just the first drive. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go through it again. I got some highlights from uh, the broadcast from WLIV, which was not Craig and Roger this time. It was not. It was not. Roger was on a trip with the Tennessee Tech Golden Eagles, so made a call to the bullpen, pulled out the old uh, PA guy from a couple of years back, Curtis Hayes. Does that mean you're in line for the next few years? Man, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to get these viewers up, man. You got you to volunteer. Shoot. I think, so if Craig's out, does that mean you take the place of Craig since since? It would have to be if, if Curtis is out and Greg is out and they couldn't find anybody else, they might they might make a call to the bullpen. You know, you know what? Let's just put this out there right now. If for some reason Craig and Roger and Curtis, now we take the trifecta, are not available, Josh Scott and Michael Johnson will do the WIV broadcast or nothing. Hey, yeah, sure. I'll be there so anyway. Be there I'm anyway. Bad. So might as well. I mean, I... I, you can still do the PA on the radio. It would sound pretty weird, but we try. Yeah. And I'd figure out a way to do fun of there. We'd, hey, we'd multitask. That's true. I'm the first ever to do that. I've been multitasking up in that press box for years. So, uh, See, there you go. Been backing them up and uh, doing the scoreboard and playing some music. And there you go. Telling Sid the stats if, and all that kind of stuff. If teaching and podcasting does not work out for you in your grown up life, you could be a good DJ. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, so let's start out in the first quarter here, Livingston Academy versus Cumberland County. Cumberland County gets the opening kickoff, and uh, nothing much happens. Uh, Austin Reader made a tackle for loss, and they punt the ball, and uh, they had a punter. Yeah, he, 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 he punted quite well. Uh, Cookville's punts were less than 30 yards each punt they had. His first punt, 47 yards. You can tell he gets a lot of practice. Uh, he's he's done it a lot, yeah. And then Livingston Academy returns the favor, a three and out on the next possession, and punts the ball back to Cumberland County. 44-yard punt by Joseph Dees. And then Cumberland County uh, moves the ball a little bit, a couple of rushing yards, a passing play, and then the first play we're going to listen to from uh, Craig and Curtis is this play right here. Third down at nine for Cumberland County. Possession down here for the Jets. Wesley Smith making a play on defense there. How about that? The kid just loves catching the football. That's what that is. He made a phenomenal catch over. Like, he got there on time. A couple of county fans, I think, wanted to pass interference there. Yeah, he, got, 
he got there on time and just reached around the kid and took the ball from him. Oh, yeah, he just went up and just outplayed him. Just wanted it more, you know. I mean, he's a ball hawk. I mean, where the, when the football's in the air, whether it's defensively or offensively, I always think that 11 somehow going to come down with it. Yeah. There's a movie line about that uh, from uh, – I don't remember the name of the show. Uh, Orlando Jones, was that his, the, the guy's name in the movie? He's the only one going up to get yep. it, only one yep. coming down with it. So uh, let's move on after that. Uh, interception, Livingston Academy gets the ball, moves it uh, with some plays by Hollers, making a first down reception. Uh, Neely, a, a big nine-yard run. Another rush for first down by Neely. And then another 10-yard run by Neely sets up this next play we're going to listen to where they give it to Neely once again. First down and goal for Livingston from the eight-yard line of Cumberland County. As the Wildcats knocking on the door here in the first quarter, looking for the first score of the night in Region 3 4 play for Livingston Academy. As Neely again, the deep back behind McDowell. McDowell taking a long time. Play clock still at 17. No hand up Neely. Big hole on the left side. Take to the goal line. Rolls the shoulder. Nate Neely will score a touchdown. Livingston Academy just pounds it in from eight yards out. Comes in just right off. That was nice there. Craig mentioned the offensive line doing their job well. Um, you know, we, we came into the year talking about, you know, it was on them. And, um, you know, they came under fire last week a little bit at times because of, you know, the physicality of the Cookville defensive line. And they didn't answer well to start the game. But overall this year so far, I have really played well. Yeah. That, I mean, that offensive line was something that was a concern. You know, especially last year and coming into this year, but as good as they've played, I mean, and you'll see. Uh, we lost Josh for a second or two there, but I think we got everything uh, squared away now. So, yeah, the offensive line did a, a excellent job uh, in the Cookville game. You know, they they especially that last drive, they they kept anybody from Will McDonald, and then tonight or Friday night versus Cumberland County, you know, totally different competition. But hey, they did their job. Opened up big hole there for Nate Neely. First score of the night, eight-yard touchdown run. Yeah, just to keep, you know, you t- you said it. Uh, the Google game, you were really concerned about them coming into it, you know, if you're honest about it. And they answered well in the Google game, gave up some sacks and some hurries here and there. Of course, negative plays. That's going to happen. But overall this year, so far, pretty good job on that offensive line. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on. Cumberland County, next possession. Um Got another three and out, and they punt the ball. This punt, I believe it was the longest one of the night, 53 yards by the Goodness Cumberland gracious. County punter. And he was a big old boy, too. I mean, he, wasn't, he was. He looked like a lineman. He was their defensive lineman. And I, I meant to say something about that. Um, half their team was named McGee, it seemed like. Uh, he, he was on there twice. That same dude, their punter, he was listed twice in the roster. Had two different numbers. I guess he's so good that they just gave him two different numbers. But they had. You're going to kick with 
best number, and you're going to play defensive end with this one. They had two or three players named McGee, and it was uh, late in the game at some point in time when uh, we weren't really paying that much attention anymore. Nobody knew who made the tackle, so I just guessed that it was McGee. Uh, I think I think I was probably right because man, he was everywhere. McGee family on the tackle. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, so Livingston gets the ball back after the big punt, and the next play we're gonna listen to is a big pass play. So big pass play to Carpenter there. Uh, he's he's going to become a weapon this year, I think. Yes, he has. You know, last year uh, he was a returner last year. You know, punt kick returner. That's about it. Um, but this year has become an okay route runner. And I, I'm probably not doing him justice by just saying he's an okay route runner uh, because you know he, he's a pretty good route runner. And right there, from a crazy free across the middle, use that speed. And you know, we talk about Will and Wesley. All of us, you know, Will and Aubrey. All of a sudden, Will's got this chemistry with the Raven Carpenters and the Briar Mosleys and the Nate Carwiles. That's a dangerous thing for other teams. Yes, and uh, another uh, they another kid that you can throw in there is Caleb Robinson because on the next play he had a, a handoff, didn't get too many yards. But there's another kid you can throw into the mix of uh, could catch some passes out of the backfield. Well, and towards the end of the game. You know, and, and I, I, what will be garbage time, because you'll, you'll see how this game ends up. Caleb ran the ball really well. Yeah. You know, they've got – the skill positions are not a problem for Livingston Academy. Definitely not. And speaking of skill positions, the next play we're going to listen to is uh, two of the best in the skill positions at Livingston Academy. So this ends the, uh, the drive that we've been uh, talking about here, right? Second long, that uh, holding penalty call back behind the line of scrimmage. So second and 22. McDonald's a good pickup of the blitz. He's got Smith down the near side. Not at the 10, to the 5. Smith at the goal line. Touchdown, Livingston. Just give him more room. Finds him anyway. 39 yards. Will McDonald's to Leslie Smith. Touchdown. Oh, yeah. It was just a matter of time. The time to cover Wesley Smith, man to man, and, and only give him a three-yard position. One take to the inside, got his man going. Smith turned the jet so hit the sideline, and Connor threw the ball on the money. Touchdown, Wildcat. So there it is again, McDonald to Smith. If you're Coach Daniel McCoy, it's second and 22. And you see man covers, you have to just grin. Yeah. Like, don't, don't you like it? Oh, here we go. <laughs> like, just throw it up to him. And why are people still doing it? Like, I get why. Because if you double him, you're leaving open Carpenter, Hollers, Neely, Robinson, yeah. Carl, all these guys. Yeah. So you can't really afford to double him because of how good we are everywhere else. But at some point. You're going to have to have somebody else beat you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's cookable. 
Yeah, I sure. Just, I, mean, I mean, I don't get it. <laughs> I, and props to him. I mean, obviously Wesley's earned that attention, and and Will's a great quarterback. But man, they, they make it look so easy. Yeah, they do. They really do. At high school athletes, quarterbacks, receivers that make it look that easy are something you better realize it's that's special and just enjoy watching it because. Will throws that nine route, that deep ball on the sideline to Wesley, as good as anybody I've ever seen throw it in high school football. Yeah. So that touchdown to Wesley Smith makes the score now 14 to nothing midway through the first quarter. And now we're going to listen to, after the extra point, <laughs> we're going to listen to the very next play uh, and see what happens there. And Beatty tees this one up, onside kick. Beatty has a chance to get it. It's still loose, and Livingston's got it. Knocked it away from Beatty. Caleb Robinson there to fall on for the Wildcats, I think, as Coach Lamb rolls the dice. And it may be Beatty that got it. As he was he was hit, Beatty was, but he went down there after that. One of Livingston had recovered, I believe it was Robinson. So we think about the onside kick there. Allow me to correct Craig Cantrell. For maybe the only time and I'll be able to in history. T. Beatty was not hit. <laughs> T. Beatty delivered the hit. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He laid a lick for the brand. Kicker coming in at 100 miles an hour. And whammy <laughs> knocks the kid out. I mean, levels the kid during the headlights. Oh, my goodness, this ball's coming towards me. And the kicker just destroys him. And guess what? Hey, I, I believe the kicker came up with the football. I, I think it was uh, Robinson that recovered. Was it Robinson? Yeah, I've got it wrote down well, that it was recovered T, by. T had to be just laying there over the kid. And, I, you mean, I told T on the sidelines, because I, I get to be, you know, interact with these guys as it's going on. Of course, I come and, you know, kind of dab him up, you know, good job there. How's it feel to be a kicker that can hit people? And, and uh, I was like, dude, you know, in – and next week when they watch film, that kid's going to catch so much crap <laughs> for getting destroyed by the kicker. Uh, so congratulations. Of course, he thought that was funny and you know, whatever. Yeah. But he did. He laid, a, he laid the wood to the kid. That was, that was exciting to see that. Uh, so Livingston gets the onside kick recovery and uh, moves the ball down the field. Uh, Neely with a rush and then an end around to Hollers. Big pass play from, of uh, course, McDonald to Smith. A couple more Neely uh, carries. And then the final play that we're going to listen to, I believe it was basically the final play of the first half, first quarter anyway, but here it comes. McDonald with the play clock at five seconds. Will takes the snap. Has to Neely off the left side. Uncaught. Touchdown. Livingston Academy. So there you go. Yeah, it's, at this point, I think the reason they went for the onside kick was just get this thing out of hand. Oops. Get this thing out of hand. You know, get it to where you can start kind of being conservative. Get this game over with. Of course, we yeah. don't know where this is going, but I, I think that was uh, I think that was kind of the point. Get get the game just you know done, dusted by halftime. Yeah, and, and uh, then they will start wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Rest up for Upward. Yeah. So, second quarter begins now. Uh, they did not try an onside kick on the next kickoff. Cumberland County gets the ball. And uh, the best, uh, probably one of the best uh, drives of the night, 
They had uh, several runs, one big 30-yard run where, hey, props to the 30, I believe it was the 35-yard line tripped that kid up or he might have scored because he's, he's running and all of a sudden he just falls flat on his face. I know who to thank for that. <laughs> our, our fellow podcaster, Jackson White, told me Thursday night when we did a little podcast with him, I did a little podcast interview with him for the next point, he said that he was helping Coach Lamb paint the field on Thursday. So I think it's conspiracy theory that Jackson, being the homer that he is, painted that 35-yard line just a little higher. A little, little thick? Yeah, a little thick. So when that kid ran across, <laughs> smack. But anyway, uh, tackle by the 35-yard line there. And uh, eventually in this drive, uh, Cumberland County uh, goes for it on fourth down and is not successful. So Livingston takes over. And the very first play after the turnover on downs is the first one we're going to listen to here in the second quarter. Ten Wildcats, the defense makes the stop. They take over on down. McDonald tried to add to this 21 nothing lead here early in the second quarter. McDonald takes the snap. He looks near side. Slap pattern caught by the carpenter. Makes a man hit to the 40. To the 45 to the 50. To the 45 to the 40. Comes inside the 30. And spun out of bounds at the 27 yard line. Ray catch and rod. Raven Carpenter on another big play for Livingston. So 42 yards on that passing catch for McDonald to Carpenter, man. He It's kind of his come out, breaking out game for a wide receiver for Carpenter. Well, you know, and, and what was it last week against Cookville? He had some big plays. Um, week one versus Westmoreland, he's had some good plays. You know, not, not having stats in front of me from Coach Lamb or anybody on the season so far, but I would venture to guess that out, out behind Wesley Smith, Raven Carpenter has to be right there in yardage. Well, in this game, he was the second leading receiver behind, I don't believe that. behind Smith. That 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 big gain right there kind of helped that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but but you on, know, like, again, I mean, it's just like you, you worry about Wesley. Yeah. And there goes Raven. So on this drive, even after a big 42-yard gain, uh, Livingston is unable to capitalize. And they try a punt from an area where – you know, this is kind of in no man's land. Should you punt it? Should you kick it? Uh, field goal kick it? Or should you go for it? So they decide to punt it. And the punt only covers 26 yards. But the ball goes out of bounds at the eight-yard line. Yeah. So that kind of tells you that. Job. Yeah, he did his job. He got them pinned inside the 10. I mean, Joseph D's giving him some uh, credit there. Did exactly what he was asked to do. Pin them yeah, back had deep. A, had kind of a rough week last week answers back with a pretty good night. You know, he's not asked to punt the football much, which is a good problem to have. Sure. But, you know, like we just said, go out there and do your job. And and Friday night, he was able to do that pretty well. Yeah. So, uh, Cumberland County gets the ball, makes a couple of first downs, uh, including a personal foul on Livingston Academy, another personal foul on Livingston. Yeah, clean those up. Yeah, especially coming into the upper game. That's something that's Mm got to stop. But uh, Cumberland County gets stopped on this drive, and they punt it again. Another 40-plus yard punt by the Cumberland County kicker. So Livingston gets the ball back and puts in a really nice drive. Uh, They had one, two, three, four first downs in the drive, and eventually this drive ends on this play right here. All the throw, bad wide open, touchdown Livingston. 
Aubrey Hollers just lost his defender, turned him inside out. Hollers scores from 17 yards out. Great, great fade route there. Hollers was on the inside slot receiver and just hit 15 yards downfield and started fading towards that pylon on the left side of the end zone. McDonald's just done an excellent job coming it over the shoulder, laid it right in for the touchdown for Wildcats. So uh, that was kind of the way the first uh, half ended. Livingston now leads 28 to nothing at halftime. And the game's basically over at this point. Uh, you want to get one more score so you can have a running clock? Running clock, baby, yeah. Yeah, so let's pick up now in the third quarter. Livingston gets the opening possession. And a big 20-yard pass play to Carwile to start the drive. Um, and that drive ends with yet another McDonald to Smith passing catch. McDonald looking deep, got a man, it's Smith, it's a big city, to the 10, to the 5, to the goal line, touchdown, Livingston Academy, McDonald to Smith, 40 yards for 6. The Poland says this could just go ahead and play quick. Let's start that clock running. Again, when you have one-on-one man-to-man coverage on Wesley Smith, and he's the only receiver out there. Why not throw it to him, right? <laughs> I would throw it to him 100% of the time. Uh, you Any got time there's man coverage. You sure. Know? Yeah, yeah. It'll change. I will, I will put a disclaimer out there. That's eventually going to change because yeah. as the season progresses – we're going to see better teams if we were to make a deep playoff run. We're going to see better defensive backs mm-hmm. that are just as good as athletes as he is. Mm-hmm. But, dang, like, if you're crossful and you have nothing else to lose, why not cover him with two people? You know, I remember, I think it might have been Crossville several years ago when Wade Eldridge was playing. Uh, they doubled him every play. But it was some team we played, and it was Wade Eldridge split out wide. He had two players standing right in front yes, of him. Yes, I remember that. And they were saying, beat him, beat us with somebody else. You ain't beating us with him. That was when Caleb and Caleb was the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. They just made, somebody, made us run the football, best I can remember. So, uh, uh, that makes the score now 35 to nothing. Got a running clock going. And Kermelin County gets the ball, and they try to throw it. And here is the result of that throw. Third and 11 now, so here comes this blitz as Dusty Parrish shows in the middle. He'll drop back into coverage, so they have pressure. They go to the far side, intercepted. That's Raven Carpenter at the 38, with the 35 to the 30, down the sideline, to the 10, to the 5, and he takes it inside the 5-yard line. Second turnover the dice, big pick by Raven Carpenter, and the Wildcats are point blank. So, man, Raven Carpenter doing it on both sides of the ball, just like Wesley Smith doing it on both sides of the ball. I just wish he would have got in. I know, me too. I was so hoping he would score on that big return. But set us up, point-blank range, as you heard Craig say there. So two plays later, you'll never guess what happens. Yes. And uh, here it is again. Libby switches things up. They bring Mosley in to replace the tight end Carwell to go that four-wide receiver set. Trips to the right. For Will McDonald, Robinson, the deep back behind McDonald. They'll break it to him. Got a slap pattern caught. Smith, touchdown, seven yards. Livingston Academy, the combination works again. Just unstoppable. So, yeah, another 
pass from McDonald to Smith. Another Livingston Academy touchdown. Do you think that's a good combination, yes or no? Uh, maybe. I'll push. I, mean, I, feel like, I feel like it's okay. Yeah, push. I'll push on that one. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, Livingston now leads 42 to nothing. That was the last score of the game. But uh, I do have one more moment from uh, Craig's uh, play-by-play call that I want to mention. On the next possession for Cumberland County, a uh, historical moment happened for Livingston Academy. Let's let's listen to that historical moment. And here's not a, a piece of history right here for Livingston Academy Wildcats number 20. Lana Taylor into the ball game. First female to ever be on the football field for Livingston Academy on a Friday night. That's the first time this has ever happened. Big piece of history right here for the Wildcats team as they carry by number two, Jacob Gringa, checking in for Cumberland County for the first time. And Lana, she's been working hard and doing a good job of practice with the Wildcats. Good to see her getting rewarded with some plays out here tonight against Cumberland County. Coach Bruce Lamb, I talked to him about it, said that she just works extremely hard in practice and it's just fortunate to have her on the football team, Chris. So, she got in, got a few plays under her belt. What do you, you think? Know, the, the, the cool thing there, we talked about this before we started recording, it's, it's one thing to be on the team. Sure. You know, it's, I mean, that can be male, female, you know, whatever, on any sport. But it's obvious that this young lady has, is putting in the work because it's easy to quit when it's July mm-hmm. the 17th mm-hmm. and it's 100 degrees outside and you're in shoulder pads and, and cleats and shorts and helmets. That young lady's going to quit at any time. And you know at some point she's taken a hit or two. Yeah. You know, probably more than that. Probably discrediting her a little bit there by saying that. But you know she's been hit. And she's, we're game three on the season. Mm-hmm. And she's in the football game. Yeah. You know, that's props to her for breaking the glass ceiling there. Sure. Um, you know, women in the last 20 years have, you know, have taken on leadership roles and never once afforded to them. Um, you know, just, just created opportunities for young younger women, you know, as a father of daughters um, that were never there before. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just another one of those things, you know. She may be the only female football player in Livingston Academy history ever. By the time this world stops spinning, she might be the only one. But then again, there might be some young lady at Tom Davis Memorial Stadium last Friday night that saw that, heard that, and thought, why not me? Why not me? Exactly. So props to her. Um, she, I'm sure a 17, 18-year-old kid probably doesn't understand the impact that she has on the, I guess, the broad scope of things. But that's a big deal. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, <clears throat> and you know, she could she could start a trend. There may be more girls coming out uh, in the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. Again, congratulations to her. So uh, let's move on from that Cumberland County possession, which ended with another big punt by their punter, forty-eight yards again. And uh, Livingston takes over now with the running clock, and we've got a new quarterback. For Livingston, Raven, uh, Raven Carpenter in at quarterback, and got some new players in 
Kyle Cornell got to run. Dylan uh, Woodall got to uh, uh, run the ball a little bit. Who has a very supportive big brother, <laughs> by the way. And, uh, but, of course, now we're just trying to kill the clock. We're not trying to score anymore. So Livingston punts for the second or third time of the night. I believe it's the third time of the night. And Carmel County gets the ball, and, you know, they really don't uh, do anything with it but they have a terrible result when they punt the ball. So this was their worst punt of the night. Been talking their punter up. They had a 12-yard punt. Well, I'm sure his leg was tired. <laughs> my Lord. So bad things happen. You can't always hit them 50 yards. So uh, oh. so a new quarterback comes in, and I had been uh, – the PA guy had been pronouncing his name wrong for two or three games, I guess two games. And Craig was saying his name wrong on the uh, radio, and I was told that Cowgill is not pronounced Cowgill, it is pronounced Kogel. So okay, Garantano. <laughs> but uh, that was confirmed by more than one source on Friday night. So it is it is pronounced Kogel. Yeah, you almost did it again. I almost did it again. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he did come in to quarterback a little bit, uh, and so. Nothing really happens from this point on. Nothing major. Cumberland County gets the ball back one more time, but uh, they don't do anything with it. And that is the end of the game with Livingston Academy coming away with yet another 40-point victory over Cumberland County. They win by a final score of 42 to nothing. Improving to 1-0 and in Region 3-4A. That's yes. their first region win of the year, and that's a big one. It's always good to get those region wins. Yeah, we'll go into the Region 3 uh, 4A sport scoreboard report here in just a minute. Let's do some final stats for the game. Cumberland County only had 110 yards of total offense. Uh, only two of those yards were passing yards. I believe that. So they did not do a very good job in the passing department. They did have two complete passes to the other team. They had two interceptions on the night. Uh, so, really good defensive effort by the uh, Wildcat football team. On the offensive side, Livingston Academy had 402 total yards of offense, 13 first downs in the game. Neely led the rushing attack with 77 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Robinson had 25 yards. Cornell with 18. Woodall with 14. Hollers with 12. Kogel with four. And I'm not a fan of putting this in the stat column, but McDonald was credited with negative eight rushing yards due to sacks. I don't really think that should count as rushing yards. Me either. But you got to count it somehow. But, you know. I always say that about passing yards because he's a quarterback. Yeah, I, I can see that. So, speaking of McDonald's quarterbacking, uh, he had 260 yards of passing, and he was 13 out of 22 with four touchdowns on the night, no interceptions. I mean, when you throw the ball and complete the ball 13 times and four of those are touchdowns, that's pretty good efficiency. Yeah. Uh, Kogel actually attempted two passes, but neither one was uh, actual reception. Smith was the leading receiver with 117 yards and three touchdowns. He got his 96th total reception in the game, which puts him sixth all-time in total receptions in Livingston Academy football history. And he is closing in on uh, second place in most uh, reception yardage in Livingston Academy history. 
What about touchdowns? Where's he at on those? We, me and Craig was talking about that up in the press box. We don't know. They don't have that in the uh, program. That is right. They do not. We don't know. So that's something we need to try to figure out. Yeah, because if I mean, I'll I will find I will try to work on that one. Uh, I would say he's I, getting close. Because it's either got to be Matt Eldridge or, or Matt Hauser. Matt Hauser, and I know Matt well enough to text him and ask him. So. If it's uh, if it's Matt, he'll let me know. Yeah. But he's got to be getting, coming in on that record. If 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 somebody's got it somewhere, he's got to be at it or really close. Yeah. So uh, Hollers had four receptions for 43 yards and a touchdown. Carpenter three receptions for 80 yards and Carwell one for 20. And that is the uh, stats from the Livingston Academy Cumberland County game. All right, so let's move on now to the Region 3 4A scoreboard report. Of course, uh, this was the first Region 3 game for Livingston Academy and Cumberland County. The other schools in in our region, Macon County, came away with a huge win over Mount Juliet Christian Academy, 55-7. to uh, That must mean Mount Juliet Christian's not very good at football. Obviously. Because making scores have not indicated that they are that good. No, and and you're going to see as you go in the Region 3A, 3-4A scoreboard, it only gets worse. <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, the, other, the other teams in Region 3 are DeKalb County and Stone Memorial, and they played each other last Friday night. And DeKalb County came away with a 33 to nothing beatdown of Stone Memorial. And that was the first win on, uh, second win on the season for DeKalb County. My bad. That's, uh, I, I, I'll stand correct, by the way. Because I said last week that, that DeKalb County might be the worst 4A team in the state. <laughs> Remember I said that? Yes, you did. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, DeKalb County fans, Coach Trapp and everybody that was listening, because you're not. <laughs> It'll, it's between Stone and Cumberland, you're saying? Well, I mean, let's just say that if I'm uh, if I'm if I live in Cumberland County, I don't tell anybody that we play football in Class Four A. <laughs> so let's do a uh, let's do a quick current three four A uh, Region Three standings. Livingston Academy is on top with a uh, overall record of three to three and zero. And a one and zero record in the region. DeKalb has a also a one and nothing record in the region, but they're two and one overall. Stone Memorial is one and two overall, and they're obviously since they lost to DeKalb, zero and one in the region. Macon is one and two overall. They have yet to play a region game, and then Cumberland County is zero and three overall, and zero and one in region three. So there is your current standings. Livingston on top. The cab sort of kind of coming in at second place. Yeah, sort of kind of is the best way to put that because, man, you know, you look at it and if Livingston can just keep everything together, I mean, you've got to feel pretty good about it. All right, yeah, so apparently apparently I wrote it down wrong. The cab is one and two on the season, not two and one. Uh, they have one win over Stone, and they lost to Warren and Upperman. So, I thought that's I wrote better. that down wrong. That's that's better than everybody else, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's still 
they're one and zero in the region, so they're second place. All right, let's let, let's look at some let's look at some other opponents that we'll play. We also play Upperman and Smith County in 2019, and they played each other on this past Friday night. And Upperman came away with a 42 to nothing score over Smith County. Yeah, I mean Smith County, not a team over the last few years that have been what you would picture Smith County being. Correct. But on the on the same side of that coin, Upperman's pretty good. Yeah. That'd be a big game this weekend. We'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. But so Upperman is now three and zero on the season. Smith County falls to two and one. Another team we play, White County, played a pretty good game versus the Christian Academy of Knoxville (CAK). They lost twenty nine to thirty two. Yeah, that's a, uh, you know, I'm still not sold on White County, you know, being high, I don't know, I don't want to say good, but I'm still not sold on White County being what they might think they are. Um, I guess that's the best way to put it. I think we'll find out next week. I don't know if I can pull that up real quick or not, but uh, I think Cookville and White County play each other. They do. This weekend. And so that's, for me, that's where... I'll know is White County good, or is everybody else they played pretty bad? Yeah, you know. But that CAK team—I mean, that's a team that's traditionally a pretty good football team. Correct. Yeah. So you know, maybe they are, and props to them if they are, because that's been a long time coming for White County football. I mean, I think what last two years they beat them by a combined seventy to nothing. Yes. Yes. So. I mean, that tells you how bad it was. Not saying that we were bad or whatever, but I mean, anytime you beat a team 35 to nothing back to back years, they're not very good. Correct. So, um, you know, maybe they've got something going. All right. So the the only other team on our schedule we haven't covered yet is York, and they played Grundy County and won 48 to 14 this got past off Friday. The snide. Yes. Uh, so hmm. that that moves York's record to two and one on the season. Uh, I did want to mention some teams that we've already played. Westmoreland. So uh, you know you're not supposed to compare scores, but if you go back and look at York against Jackson County, York hmm. won twenty six to fourteen over Jackson County. Hmm. Westmoreland played Jackson County this past Friday night, and they beat Jackson County thirty five to seven. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, you're not supposed to, but. If we're going to, yes, that's it. That, that's not a good result for York. No, nah, not at all. And you know, we've been in in our two seasons on air. We've been critical of Livingston Academy seniors this year for not being able to beat York. Maybe this is the year. Yeah, let's hope. And then the only other team that we have played this year, Cookville, fell to zero and three on the season. Losing by a score of uh, seventeen to thirty-five to Riverdale High School. You know, I've got I've got a question I want to know. Is it against Jimmy Maynard's policy to credit the other team? It must be. Because I read the Herald story, and I'm sure they spin it a certain way and whatnot too. I mean, I've wrote articles for ten, eleven years now. I understand, but I mean, it's it, last week when Livingston beat them. It was, we're young, and we're just making these mistakes, and, that, and that's great. What a, 
But there was never, uh, I mean, he said, I mean, I, I think he might have said, you know, Livingston did a good job, whatever, but that was it. But How many times has he ever lost to Livingston? Uh, I think, no, I mean, maybe, he, Brock and them beat him to death one year. Yeah. I think back-to-back years, he left Smith County, so maybe, maybe Bruce is running him out of cook. Well, maybe. Maybe so. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know, that just always irks me, you know? Like I've coached and and I and like watching Coach Lamb over the last few years, like if we get beat, Coach Lamb's like, "Hey, uh, credit to you know Cookville, they come out and whipped our tails tonight." And I'm, I always appreciate that because it's like, well, yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I hate that we're young and we just made so many mistakes and you know, and then you, you didn't credit that you know this team ran the ball for four hundred yards on you. Well, when's the last time Cookville was 0-3? It's been a long time. So, uh, let's talk about the game Friday night, the big big rivalry game between Livingston Academy and Upperman. Both teams come into the game at perfect 3-0 and records. you got to think the winner of that game could go undefeated on the season. Has there ever been a game that we've been around that – Meant so much, but meant nothing at all. Uh, I uh, mean, Cookville like, couple, couple, couple weeks ago was big, but it wasn't like, okay. We'll see you at this, this make or break. This feels like a, it feels like a make or break game for both teams, yes. but it's really not at all. It, it really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things, but it matters for bragging rights on social media and, you know, in at basketball games yeah. the rest of the year. So this is a... I'll I'll never forget this, and we'll get into this game right here. This just kind of sets the tone for this, okay? So I've got friends that are obviously from Upperman, and good people, and don't get me wrong now, there's some people down there that I do not like at all, and I'm sure they feel the same way about me. No big deal. But I've got some friends and and, acquaintances that are awesome people. And one of them last year, of course, Upperman makes a phenomenal run through these state semifinals and meets up with who? Alcoa Alcoa. Yeah. So, knowing how this was going to go, they played them at Upperman. Place sold out. You know, if you remember, if in 2005 you went to Chattanooga Notre Dame at Lucian Academy, yeah. it was that kind of atmosphere at Upperman. And they, it comes back to what I was just saying about Jimmy Maynard, they made all these excuses of why Alcoa beat them, and none of them were, they were just, they were just the better team. Hmm. Yeah, and, um, so, like, I, I thought it's hilarious because there was no chance that they were beating the outcome. I mean, it's just hard to do. It's, I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say no chance. There was a minimal chance they were beating Alcoa. But they took it like they got robbed. And so, like, on social media, one of the, I, I think I may have made a post or maybe one of their fans made a post. It had to be me because I'm, I'm notorious for that. And... Uh, one of them, one of their fans was like, well, how did Livingston do tonight? Well, you know what, dog? We ended up at the same place. <laughs> and you're worried about Livingston Academy instead of worried about Alcoa or what you could have done better to beat Alcoa. You're worried about Livingston Academy. And that's that just tells me, you know, that's the rivalry right there, man. That sets this up. It's a huge game Friday night. Big, big, big game. Um, you know, uh, 
these teams I, don't I like each other. I'd be disappointed if it's not same room only. Yeah, me too. And, you know, these, these two schools do not like each other nowadays. At all. Um, it it has become one of the biggest rivalries in the Upper Cumberland. And, and you know what? The best thing about it um, for this year's game for football, both teams are really good. Yes. You know, that's the big thing. Like when, you know, case in point, not to knock them, but our, our girls' basketball team, not very good last year. Theirs, pretty good. So, you know, it used to be a big game, and last year it was just like, eh, here, here comes our. It means it, it's so much better when the teams are good. It always adds to it. It's it's physical and chippy and everything when it doesn't, we know, when no matter what. But when there's something, you know, when you're able to say, we give up in their first loss this year. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, vice versa, it says, we gave Livingston County their only loss this year. Because, like you touched on, this could be a game where both teams, it's their only loss in the year. Yeah, I mean, it, it could set up that way. I'm not saying that it definitely will, because uh, you got to play each game. But uh, Yeah, yeah, by no means. I mean, does it mean that, does, does, am I, are we saying that one of these teams are going to go undefeated? But looking at their schedule and what they've got coming up, both of them, Right. You project there's, out. There's I mean, a chance. They yeah. should be favored in all the other games. I think this would be a toss-up game right here, you know. Well, you know, and again, it doesn't mean anything, but it means everything. And you look at the scores. We just talked about not – that's something we don't do. They're not supposed to do. Yeah. You know, they beat up, or they beat Cookville on a last-second drive. Yep. And we did too. So, you start looking at, like, at that, and it's like, okay, well, we're pretty evenly matched. But then you look at last year's game, and boy, they just thumped us. Mm-hmm. You know, so did they lost some players, no doubt, and we we didn't really lose anything. You know, a couple skill position guys, but we've touched on how good we are at skill position, so that shouldn't matter. It's going to be a thing. I mean, unless for some reason the weather turns terrible and it starts pouring the rain on Friday night at seven o'clock. There's right. no no reason to believe that this is not going to be well. I have easily uh, the best game in Upper Cumberland. I have checked with our Hog Eye Sports Show weatherman Luke out a window, and he tells me that it's going to be hot and muggy and beautiful. Not a cloud in the sky on this Friday night. Well, I, I have to correct you. I've never seen beauty at Upper. <laughs> on one sideline, there'll be some beauty. That's right. But, but, but yeah, I mean, like I said, when's the last time that we've been that we've been a part of a game that doesn't mean anything that means everything? I mean, it, uh, hard to say on that one. But hey, if and, you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're a Hog Eye sports fan, if you don't come to the game on Friday night, you know, I mean, obviously people have to work and people have other things. But if you got the time, you you got to make that drive down to Baxter. And, you know, you got to give uh, Upperman a little bit of money to get in. But, man, get there and, and cheer on the Wildcats. Let's pack that stadium and bring everybody that you know from Hog Eye Country and let's show up and cheer on a big win, let's hope. Listen, it, again, come back to rivalry games are so much fun. You know, when you're able to say that you walked in, they got to say it last year. We walked in the Linux Academy and just whooped their tail. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if Livingston Academy is able to do the same thing Friday night. 
Is it going to be difficult? Absolutely. But I'll, I'll say this. We said this last week. If that team that played Cookville shows up Friday night, boy, they got a good chance at winning. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess you could really say that for either team. Yeah. You know, but I know I know the Lewis County Wildcats. If that team shows up, they're as good as any team in the state in Class 4A when the team that played Cookville shows up. Sure. No doubt. You know. But do I – what do I? I mean, what do you think? How do you think? It, how do you think it goes? I mean, what you, if you've got a prediction, if you got a crystal ball, give me a score. Ooh, man, I'm not big on giving scores, but I'm going to say it is. Uh, it is within ten points. Final score within ten points. I, I would like to say it's within three points. You know. See, but, and that's where I was going. I'm saying it's a, it's going to be a, like a 28-24 game. I'm not going to give you a winner. Because I don't do that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm wrong enough. I don't want somebody going on there and saying, oh, yeah, Josh didn't know that Upman was going to win 28-24. Right. Yeah. But that's how it feels. Like, it feels like a 35-31, a 35-34. Like, something crazy always happens in rivalry games. Yeah. Don't be surprised if either one of these teams is trailing late, drives it all the way down the field. It misses the extra point after a touchdown. Ooh, ooh. That's something that could happen. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what happened. It did not happen to Cookville. Well, let's – one thing that we've mentioned here before is that, you know, there's been a lot of personal foul penalties called on Livingston Academy in the last two weeks. That has to change for uh, Livingston well, to win that game. And it's a rivalry game, so you know everybody's going to be amped up. And there's a lot of trash talk. Yes. And we're talking about 14 to 18-year-old kids. Yeah. So you know there's a lot going on there. You know, you have to check your emotions and say, hey, look, we can't let, you know, this, we can't give up a 12-yard gain on, on on third down and then Tack on. push this kid out because he's tra- talking trash to get it and get 15 more. Yes, yes. Well, they do all the talking, and they're going to. We're going to, and I'm not, we're not innocent. <laughs> but control your emotions just enough to not have it set your team back. That's my challenge, I think, if I was – if I'm Coach Lamb, Coach McCoy, Coach Houser, all that staff, that's what I'm telling these kids. Hey, we know you're going to be amped up because they're going to be. Friday night, both teams will be fired up. You're not going to have to. You're not going to have to give them a pregame speech before they come out on Friday night. Neither team. Neither team. But if I'm saying anything to them, I'm saying, guys, hey, keep your head on straight. Yeah. Because this is the kind of game. You know, we see it in sports a lot now, especially like the targeting rules. This is the kind of game, targeting rules come into effect. You're trying to lay that kid out. Tell what the helmet you're ejected. Mm-hmm. Through personal fouls, you're ejected. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to pull for an ejection by anybody, and nobody should. But this is the kind of game that stuff like that happens. Sure. So, you know, check your emotions at the door, but come out and play good football. You know, you, you, don't, you know that they're going to try to take away Wesley. If you're Aubrey, Raven, uh, Nathan Carwile, Briar Mosley, Caleb Robinson, Nate Neely, all those other guys. Be ready to make a play. Yeah. And if you're that defensive front seven for the Wildcats, you know, on the other side of the ball, reach your keys, do what you're do what you're told to do and make that play when it's presented to you because they're they're gonna run the football right at you. You know, last year they pounded down our throats just like Cookwell did last year, and we just we just took it. We never got tough. Uh, I feel like this is a different Livingston Academy team. Well, we'll find out this Friday night, September the 13th, 7 p.m., Baxter, Tennessee.
the Livingston Academy Wildcats against the Upperman Bees. Both teams coming in 3-0 on the season. The winner gets bragging rights for a, a full year, at least until basketball season starts up. But uh, what a game that's going to be. It should be beautiful weather. It'd be hot. Could have some cramping issues. Uh, so drink a lot of water if you're a player. Drink a lot of water if you're a fan. <laughs> Get dehydrated real quick. Yeah. Come, if you're a Livingston Academy fan, come come to the game. Uh, cheer loud for the Wildcats. And uh, let's hope that uh, about a week from now, me and you will get to record a podcast where we have a lot of highlights for Livingston, a lot of lowlights for Upperman. <laughs> One more thing before we close this thing. Another reason Livingston Academy fans need to come out. The very next touchdown pass that Will McDonald throws is what, Mike? It will be the most touchdown passes ever thrown by a Livingston Academy quarterback. The next pass passes Coach Danny McCoy for most all time. So you've got a chance to witness a record falling. We've been able, we've been fortunate the last what three weeks now, or two yeah. weeks now rather. We yeah. missed Miss Taylor on Friday night. Mister McDonald the Friday night before passing him in career yardage. So hey, maybe it's three records breaking nights in a row. Let's get three W's in a row. It'll be his 56th career touchdown pass, be breaking a tie with Danny McCoy at 55. What a career. So, so come out to Baxter, man. Come out. Let's go. Well, guys, uh, let's uh, let's end that segment right there, and we'll be back to wrap up this episode of the Hog Eye Sports Show right after this. Thank you for listening to the Hog Eye Sports Show. Today's episode is made possible by me because I'm the one who pushed the record button. Now back to the show. Well, possum on a gum bush, it's happened again. You've wasted another perfectly good portion of your day listening to the Hog Eye Sports Show. Before we go, uh, I wanna mention something that Josh said earlier is that he was on uh, Jackson White's podcast called The Extra Point uh, this past week. If you guys haven't heard that, go listen to him. They uh, they mentioned the Hog Eye Sports Show a few times. Um, yeah, we really want to support Jackson and what he does with FCA. Maybe have him back on our show here pretty soon. So, Jackson, if you hear this, give us a holler. We'd love to have you back on. All right, so uh, anyone out there would like to get in touch with the host, you can send us your questions, comments, rants, or recipes to hogeyesports at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, and it's at Hogeye Sports. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Hogeye Sports Show. And you can send us a voice message via our profile on the Anchor app. We would love to include some of y'all stuff in future episodes. Today's Hogeye Sports Show sponsor has been the Picky Vegan Restaurant. Catering to those who want to be vegan but don't, don't really like salads. Uh, and let's uh, spotlight some employees now. We've spotlighted in the past our weatherman, Luke, out a window, our TSSAA rules liaison, Sasha Payne Diaz, our accounts payable administrator, I mail the checks, our biblical scholar is Vera Lee Isay, our British doorman is Isaiah Oldchap, our book critic is Odessa Page Turner, our head of the Hawkeye History Department is Ira Call. Our script writer is Philip Airtime. And today's Spotlight employee 
is our Hog Eye Sports Show chauffeur who drives us to all the home and away games, does a really good job for us. And our chauffeur's name is Mini Van Driver. So thank you, Mini Van Driver, for taking us to and from all the important events we go to. So for Josh Scott, this is Michael Johnson, and we will see you on the next episode. So long, friends and neighbors. <laughs>